0: You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network, coming to you once again for a Survivor Winners at War recap episode. I say, again, it's been about a month since we've done one of these. Um, Hello, welcome back. It's great to be back. Um, Apologies that it's been so long between drinks, but life happens and. You have to make some sacrifices every now and then, and unfortunately one of those sacrifices I had to make was not being able to do these episodes for you. But it doesn't matter, because we're here, and we're here to talk about Survivor Winners at War, and we're here to talk about it with one of our favourite guests in the history of our show back in the Survivor Oz days, the winner of Season 14 of Survivor Fiji, the one the only Mr. Earl Cole. One of uh, the best interviews I think that we ever did. If you ever want to listen to a winner's interview fully explaining their game from start to finish, I cannot recommend Earl's interview enough for you. If you can find it online, it is a great chat. But we're not here to talk about his win on Fiji. We are here to catch up with him, see what he's been up to, and talk about Survivor winners at war. It's a fun chat here with Earl. Gives his opinions on all things to do with this season and another great chat with the man himself. So let's get into it. Our Survivor winners at war weekly recap with the winner of Survivor Fiji, Mr. Earl Cole. Pleasure to be back here covering Survivor for another week. Winners at War, we are more than halfway through. It's crazy to think that now and we're really getting to the pointy end and... What better way to discuss all the happenings that are happening at the moment on Survivor than somebody who's played it before, somebody who's won it before, and I'm going to say it like I've said with every other winner we've had on this show throughout this season, should have been on this season, and returning for the first time to this show in about six or seven years. It's been a while, but it's thrilled to have him back right now. The winner of Season 14 Survivor Fiji, the one, the only, Mr. Earl Cole. Earl, welcome back to the program. It's a pleasure to have you back, mate.
1: Oh, it's, it's great to be speaking with you once again. I, I wish it was a live audience so I could get the, the claps and the cheers. Yes. Like, yay. Yes. Yay. <laughs> but uh, I have an audience of two. Like, my uh, two daughters are in the next room. Great. So uh, if I have to step away for a moment... You know, you understand.
0: We, we definitely understand. And, and I should also mention, happy birthday for this week. It's It's been your birthday this week. So, uh, Thank you.
1: Yes, my birthday was just yesterday. Well, there you go.
0: Uh, I'm sure big celebrations were had. I mean, you must have had the parties with the kids and uh, just, I don't know, watching Netflix or something. Kind of a bit different to what you might have been initially planning.
1: Well, my plan was actually I was going to be on an island. Wow. Wow. Uh, already had flights, everything, all the tours, everything was planned, a whole family vacation, and then this whole coronavirus pandemic started, and had to cancel all the flights and the hotel and everything, and my vacation turned into a staycation, (laughs) so uh, here at the house, uh, we celebrated with, you know, cake here at home, and that was kind of it, you know, it rained all day, it's just (laughs) one of those birthdays, like, wow, it rained all day. I'm stuck in the house, but you know what? It was still great, you know, just being a dad and uh, entertaining my kids and, you know, being with my wife and, you know, our dog. So it it was cool.
0: That's all that matters, right? You'll remember that one for years to come. Like, hey, hey, remember that birthday that we had that? You know, those were the days, weren't they? All those isolation days in 2020.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So, but, uh, you know, it's definitely a memorable one. I think 2020 is going to be memorable for everyone. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, this turned out to be one of the—I won't say it's the worst year ever, but the most strange year we've had in uh, quite a while. Yeah,
0: very much so. It's um, yeah. Who who knows uh, what we're going to be looking back on in a couple of years? Uh, it's just—it is very insane. But you, you sort of mentioned to me just off air there that it's kind of—it's—it's it's podcasters' dream. Like you know, we've got all these people available for interviews. All of a sudden, it's sort of you know, silver linings, right, Earl?
1: Yeah, I I agree. I mean everybody's at home. We have nothing but time. Exactly. That's it. Time to read a book, time to start a business, time to work on whatever you need to do, work on yourself, talk to everybody, you know, via the internet, you know, not think right now everything is on Zoom Mm -hmm. or the house party app or whatever, you know. Just stay in touch with your friends, you know. Maybe this was something that needed to happen anyway for people to better connect on another level besides just you know on the fringes as we all do you know having so many options but when you're forced to stay at home and confront you know your own relationships with people uh, it, it, it I think uh, everybody's going to come out of this a bit stronger and wiser.
0: Yeah, and, and also a bit more aware of washing their hands. I feel it's weird that people seem to be having to be reminded to wash their hands after this. I mean, isn't that just what you learn as like a you know, two-year-old? I'm sure you're teaching that to your children right now, uh, now Earl. Like, wash your hands, kids. It's it's basic knowledge. Oh, my knowledge. gosh.
1: It, it, it's out of control <laughs> with my uh, two-year-old daughter. She loves to wash her hands <laughs> for everything. She loves to wash her hands and brush her teeth. I'm like, I need to record this, like, I need to play this for you when you were a teenager (laughs) that you were obsessive and a germaphobe at two. Wow. You know, Maybe she'll be a doctor or a surgeon or something. Who knows? There
0: you go. Maybe. You never know. Uh, the burning question I've got to get to, Earl, though, before we obviously get into you know discussing Winners at War and your thoughts and everything that's happening there at the moment. It's it's You know the question. We've been asked it by every single person who's sent in a question. You've been asked it 101 times since I announced this cast. Let's get it on the record. Let's get it over and done with. Why aren't we watching you right now on our screens, Earl? Why aren't we seeing you on Season 40?
1: Oh, it's already been out there and explained on why I'm not part of this. Uh my youngest daughter was in the hospital during all the calling and all of that stuff. So I had already talked to a couple of winners anyway. But there was no way I could do it because my daughter was born three months premature. And so she was still in the hospital. And then once she got out, you know, it was a pretty critical time, you know, where she had to stay home. And, you know, my uh, wife wasn't feeling well all the whole time. So it was just the worst timing by far even though this is the season i i told them i said all right when you guys do an all winter season i will definitely do that one because you know they've asked me you know a few times before to come back and the timing just would never work out and then the one time they do this winters of war that i had to go and mess around and have that second kid you know (laughs) so yeah the timing was just bad and um you know, I, I knew everybody was going to go on there. and You know, what I miss about this season is it would have gave me – it would I would have had a chance to get to know some of the other winners in more depth. You know, you see them on your TV. A lot of – I've met maybe half of them, but a lot of the newer players I, I didn't really know that well. So I, I thought it would have been a great opportunity just to, you know, just battle it out with them. It wasn't about, like, oh, who's going to be the best of the best because, you know, I, I stick to my well, philosophy with Survivor. There is no – better winner than anyone else it's all just timing and luck you know along with some strategy but you know anything can happen to anybody no matter how good of a player you are so um it would have just been just fun to do it but hopefully we do uh my guess is usa versus australia theme yeah i would definitely come back for that
0: yes well it's 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 a possibility you never know i mean i think it might be something they more so do for the Australian version just because we obviously had Russell on one of our seasons, but um, (laughs) which, um, you know, we saw how that turned out, but I I think it's something that so many people are talking about happening because the australian version has, has clearly gone on to you know great success just finished up with all stars and a lot of mm-hmm. you know you guys over in the states are, are, are watching the australian version and a lot of people are, are very keen you're, you're not the first uh you know winner to say that to me as well Earl, that you would love to kind of come and do the australian one so channel 10 if you're listening i think we could make this
1: happen oh i'm already in well and I won't even talk too much about it but I've been saying this for many years about this is before they started the reboot of the Australian uh, survivor I was already talking about like hey if you guys ever you know want somebody from America to come on there then you know I'll be your guy and all this type of thing and it all this just got kind of you know what no one was sure then next you know Russell was on there <laughs> and I was so surprised because. It said Survivor Champs or something. Yeah, I think, champions and contenders. I was like, well, why would Russell be on there? I was <laughs> you know, so if anything, you really should have called me, but it was totally fine. You know, I I love just you know, watching what the Australian version uh, does. It's different from America. You know, um, that's why I think it, it. I think it would be a good move to do this whole USA versus Australia. If not, you know, we'll just go on to other things like. Heroes vs. Villains Part 2, or who who, who knows what. Maybe it'll be a Winners at War again.
0: Well, I mean, you know, see, there's 18 of six. you that weren't on this season. So, you know, there's still basically a full cast that you, they can sort of have this. Wait a couple of years, add a couple of more people, and you've got another 20 people that they can do Winners at War 2, the other winners and, that aren't on this one.
1: I agree. You are so right. But hopefully everyone is enjoying this season so far. I, I'm, I'm definitely enjoying it. Uh, it's been fun to watch. You know, it, it's funny to say, "Oh, I did this. Oh, have did that." Like, so many things that um, uh, I would have done, but you know, you, you only get what they show as far as the editing, and you never know how complicated these things are. Especially like the last episode, I think when Adam got voted off. You know, I, I remember that paranoia of so many different names were thrown around every second that it gets confusing. Like, okay, now who are we voting for again? <laughs> where you have to make that decision right in tribal council because it gets that chaotic
0: which i'm sure sort of watching it through that lens of the i could have been on this season would make it a little bit more interesting but i could I could also imagine that you would be kind of paying attention to the likes of someone like you who obviously won the season before you and kind of his viewpoint and how he's analyzing it and you know you obviously saying there that that's how it was like but People like you, Ethan, earlier on, are saying that this game has developed so much; it's so much faster, it's so much quicker. And I can imagine that that's the sort of thought you're thinking: like, how would I be adapting to this much more faster-paced game that I was used to when I played 13 years ago?
1: No, I, I, you know, my thought has always been different from that. I don't think it's any faster at all. I think, um, you know, people aren't as loyal as they used to be. It's kind of like every man for himself from the beginning. Usually that mentality starts with the merge, but I think um, with these newer seasons, and it's due to that there's so many references to build your game around now. Like before in the earlier years, you know, it was only like a few seasons you can look at where people played the game. Well, now you have this whole plethora of, you know, 20 seasons to look at all these different people. Wait, what are, I'm sorry, 40 seasons. Going on 40 seasons. of. Uh, data you can use and so you can start playing the game a lot faster and everything. I don't think people can't keep up. I always say the game is not complicated. It's the people that are complicated. People are still the same. It's still only one vote that counts and that's it. So everything else is like all right just play your game. You know it's pretty straightforward to me no matter what they do except for these new fire tokens which I love tremendously. I love an, an extra element of gameplay and strategy because that was my whole type of uh, game was just being very strategic. And if I had something extra like that, oh gosh, no telling what I could do. It's oh,
0: it's it's interesting you say it that way because you know a lot of emphasis has been put on the fact that pretty much all the quote old schoolers got voted out early, and it's sort of people were talking about how, you know, this was a target, that they weren't adapting. But I, I do love the way that you explain that, that it's kind of, you, you know, the game itself, it, it, it is how it is, and it doesn't really change. It's, it's I guess it's more of those players. Do you, do you think some of the people from your era were overthinking it then? And do you think that they were maybe putting too much emphasis into the, quote, things are faster, whereas at the core of it, it's the same, they should have not been overthinking it that much?
1: Yeah, I don't think they... I mean, it's, it's best to think about it, but I don't think it affects the dynamics too much. Uh, you got to think these newer players is fresh to them playing, and they all know each other because they are currently doing all of the charity events and all that stuff that we did years ago. So there is more of a disconnect with the old school player than the new school player because, you know, like, Yule hadn't played since 2006. Yeah. So... It's not that it's faster. It's just like you're that rusty, <laughs> you know, where these people have played in the last five years, the newer players. So they're kind of still in game mode. Because anybody that tell you that's been on Survivor, you're kind of in game mode for years after you played, because it's such a big part of this major thing that happened in your life that you, you your perspective changes once you come out of that game, especially if you won. You know, you think about the world different. You think about your life differently. Uh, you just reflect on many things. So I don't think that the old school people thought too much. I just think the old school people were outnumbered. You know? And you, you had to find a reason to vote people out. You know, before on regular Survivor, if it's not All-Stars or anything else, you say, like, okay, that person did bad on the first challenge. Let's get rid of them. That person's old. Let's get rid of them. But now... You have all winners, so how do you get rid of all good players? So, okay, well, we outnumber the old school people. Let's just start getting rid of old school people because, I don't know, we don't know them as well. So they were already in power from the start because I think – I won't say it, it definitely was not half old school and half new school. It was not set up like that. It was definitely more new school players than old school. So I think that's how the whole old school target thing started to happen. And it might have been pre-planned by the, the new school people.
0: Possibly. Maybe that's who will come out afterwards. How, how would have you uh, approach that then if you had been on this season? I mean, do you just go into it uh, and just go along with what's going on around you? Would have you had a, a preconceived strategy going in?
1: Um, you know, my strategy is, is always to not have a real strategy. I think um, you just have to be very adaptable and get to know people as much as you can. My thought was always to think how somebody else's options would be okay if i'm this player and they won this kind of way how would they view the situation around them so i can predict their moves and that's how i kind of play my game like how would they play i'll try to guess each person's strategy so i know how i fit in with their strategy and you adjust your strategy based on how do you think they might be thinking about you or the other players around them And that's kind of how you have to approach it. In just my opinion, of course, this is hypothetical. With all winners, they're all very strategic. They all won for a reason. So you got to put yourself inside of all of their minds and what what is their goal? Did they win for a reason? Then people didn't think they deserve it. Okay, this person's out to prove something. Did this person dominate their season? Where they uh, have a bigger ego, or they think it's gonna be easy? Okay, they're gonna think this way. Does this person did this person win twice? and think a certain way, okay, they might make decisions based on this. Like You have to really start analyzing each and every person to figure out how you're going to adjust your strategy. Now, I don't want to reveal too much of how I would think about things. (laughs) Save (laughs) it for winners of War (laughs) II. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But that's just my approach to a lot of things.
0: You, you mentioned before about having some conversations with some winners around this uh, season. Do you, do you want mm-hmm. to reveal Earl, who you had
1: a bit of a chat with, or are you keeping that close to your chest for the future? I, I had to keep that close to my chest. You know, I did talk to a few winners, but you know, everyone talked to each other before all of this. People were trying to get an edge, get a leg up. You know there's always going to be some pre-alliances, all of that. There's pre-relationships. I mean this particular season is based on you know previous existing relationships. So it's like, how strong are those relationships? You know, how can I change this relationship, or how can I be a part of this? I mean, even the, um, what were they calling it, the poker alliance or something? Yeah. Even if that was very loosely based, but people try to find any reason to vote people out. You can be somewhat just friends a little bit, and people <laughs> want to break it up. I mean, even on our season, we had uh, two particular people, um, what was her name? Uh, well, I know Rocky and Liliana, they barely even knew each other. I think just basically just a little too friendly, I think, for some people. And so they just wanted to get rid of them. They didn't even know each other. But I don't know why people want to break up just people just casually knowing each other when this whole concept of survivors based on, you know, having a social game and relationships and things like that. But. You know, that's what's been happening with this winner's award, you know, with the Wendell and the Michelle thing. You know, was it real? Was it not real? Did he break her heart? Did he not? <laughs> is she playing the game? I think she is personally playing the game. I think her approach, this is just my speculation. I think her approach is, I'm just going to stand at the radar, act like I don't know anything, um, vote with everyone, even vote against my best interests, to keep myself in the game, and I think that will work for her to get pretty far, you know, because she seems to be going pretty far, and no one's really even thinking about her, you know, because you have these higher profile winners, I'll say, where she is one of those winners that felt like people thought that she didn't deserve her win, and see, those are the people I analyze, like, I bet you she thinks that way, so... I would adjust my strategy around her based on what I think she's thinking. She wants to prove a lot. Somebody like Tony wants to prove a lot. You know, I noticed he downplayed his uh antics a bit more. You know, because he wants to play the game. You have to adjust and adapt. So, you know, he's doing pretty well, you know. Uh Sophie, I've always liked Sophie's game. And another under the radar but very analytical uh gameplay. So, I think, you know, she's going to do well and you know, I have my guesses. I have my picks.
0: That's that's what we want to hear. This is what we're going to ask the big questions here, Earl. And, like, I, I, I think it's very good points, particularly with people around, like, Michelle and and Sophie, you know, players that, you know, their wins are never highly regarded against the, the poverty <laughs> and, and the robs and people like that. But they obviously won for a reason. And that's what the dynamics this season has, because they're all winners. They all won for a certain yeah. reason and and it's been very interesting seeing Michelle seeing Sophie and particularly reading well at least from people like me trying to read their edits around how they're getting because you know they're getting enough screen time they are getting enough involvement their names kind of brought up every now and then but you know it's just it's very interesting watching them and they they're two people that I thought would go deep just based on their history and against who they're playing with, but they're, they're playing very solid games and it really does yeah. seem like these two are going to be in it for the, the long haul.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, the people I knew would have a hard time would be Sandra, Rob, Parvati. Yeah. Those three I knew would have the hardest time. You, you think they have the, the, the biggest targets on their back. I thought that, uh, Rob just would have a hard time adapting playing with all winners you know, the the one time he won, I think it was his fourth time playing, he played with all people that didn't really know how to play at all. So it seemed like he just dominated that season. But now he's playing with people that are good at playing Survivor. So I didn't expect him to do well at all. So it did not surprise me when he got voted out and any kind of way. I figured, yeah, he'd, I thought he'd be gone sooner. Sandra, another person. I thought she'd be gone even sooner, but, you know, she lasted longer than I thought. You know, if no one wants someone to win three times. You know, I mean, come on. Who's going to allow that to happen? Not exactly. Not three times. Yeah. So I knew she would have a hard time. Parvy, another person. I, I thought with Parvity, the way her game is, is based on, you know, um, flirting and all that stuff. I figured that wouldn't work. And it doesn't. It doesn't work when you're playing against all good players and winners. And now she's married with a kid. Like, you're not going to be on screen doing that kind of stuff. So I'm like, okay, what do you have in your back pocket if you can't play the flirtation card? And so I didn't see anything else, and the next you know she was gone. <laughs> so, you know, everybody, they're getting taken to their wits end. You know, you're really proven how well can you adapt to playing against all winners as opposed to like you're the better of the rest of the castaways,
0: Which is a great point because I think you would look at who's remaining in the game and they're all adapting differently to how they played and won their, their first time around. I mean, look at Tyson, for example, he gets voted out in kind of, you would say a similar style to how he did. He's come back in the game and he's the first to say, okay, I'm not going to play that way anymore. I need to take a step back. And he has, because we've barely seen him, I think, since he came back last week. Uh, You look at Kim. You know, Kim, so used to being at the forefront in control. The whole game dominated one world. The first episode, she's like, oh, hang on a minute, I'm on the outs. I need to adapt to this. And now she's kind of, you know, playing a middle game at the moment. So you've got these players who have had to kind of take a quick look at themselves and go, hang on a minute, this isn't going to work. I need to change things up. And they're the ones who are still
1: in the game. Yeah. And they're lucky lucky that they came to that realization when they're still in the game. Yeah. because Some people already get voted out and realize, oh, well, maybe I should have done things differently. Well, it was too late now. And now you're on the edge of extinction. But you have to adapt to not only the fact that you're around different players, but now you're around other winners. So the people that have the advantages that have played more than once, you know, the Tysons and all the people that you name, you know, they've played, you know, two, three times. You know, you get to really test everything when you get to play it multiple times. Like somebody like me or you who only played once, I, don't, I haven't tested anything. I don't know what else will work against other people. I know that my strategy I had with my season, I would never use on a season like this. That's why I would go in with an open mind and just be like a cop, observe and report. That's all I'm going to do is observe and pick my uh, battles, pick my spots on uh, where I'm going to make the connections at. So you just have to take a back seat and earn your keep by not being lazy. I mean, people know the basics. When you get there, you gotta help with the camp. You gotta help with the fire. You gotta do all that stuff. Earn your keep while you're there. You know, usually you can get rid of people because they don't earn their keep in those first, you know, week or so. But everybody should earn their keep. You know, have some value. But my thing, besides the physical value, have the trust value and the idea value. You know, my thing for my seasoning. You know, people trusted my ideas along with like, hey, I'll be loyal to you. You know, I'd always have a disclaimer. <laughs> I said we can all stay loyal and be in this alliance until we reach this number of people. Then it's every man for himself. Yep. I always tell, told everybody that. <laughs> <laughs> which
0: is which is interesting because you know us as podcasters and any fans can sit here and analyze the potential prospect of an all winner season and how it's going to go and never come up with the correct answer. But I would always know in discussing. Future seasons, when this was, you know, over the years talked up, and your game was definitely one of these games that I thought, like, look, if Earl plays that way or does this or does that, like, that's going to get him far. And again, people can listen to this and think this is just Ben Waterworth sucking up to the guest again, but I genuinely stand by my fact that I think that had you been on this season, you would have done well because I think that you would have had so many things going for you, and that's what was impressing me with someone like you, who was so analytical and so good at adapting and reading and just, Yule was killing it. I, I for sure thought Yule was winning this season based on everything that was being shown and then he's taken out a couple of weeks ago but um, I'd like to think you might have gone a little bit further than Yule Earl but uh, who knows. I, I was very wrong about Danny. I always said Danny would win an all-winner season and what was she's third out? So yeah, I didn't do well there.
1: Well with her, again I think um, too far removed from the game to where you're rusty you know, when she first played, I don't think she was married and had kids. Now she has three kids, been married for a long time. and you have been away from the game for fifteen years? So it's tough to just all of a sudden jump back in in that. Even if you watched every one season, up all thirty nine seasons before that, you know, to be on the island again and to adjust your mind to playing with all winners, where everybody's out to get you, everybody's trying to outthink you. My thing is. You know, when you're dealing with winners, you know people are gonna have somewhat of an ego. You gotta play to that in some kind of way, and that includes dialing down the ideas and the strategy at times. And that's why I think Michelle is good at like just dialing it down, Sophie. Dial it down. Where Yule was expressing his, uh, you know, his intellect about certain things, and that makes him a threat when you start overthinking out loud people are like, "Huh, this guy's thinking too much. We need to get rid of him. He's going to be a problem later."
0: Mm. Which we had a big move that week uh this time this week as well with Sarah kind of her taking a step back from the reward and that's kind of all of a sudden put a a big target on her back. What what was your viewpoint on what what Sarah did there?
1: Um, you know, my view is whatever the editing editing shows you. It it seems like she did it as a kind gesture for someone's birthday, it makes sense, it's a very human thing to do, it's an emotional thing to do, and you think, like, okay, maybe, the, you could say it's a game play, for her it might not have been, but you have to think of how everyone else was thinking about it. So, say, so if I make this move, if I think, oh, it gets me in good with Nick, even though it's for her, like, it was his birthday, I just want to do something nice, like, hey, I'm so frustrated being, you know, you're so paranoid and everybody's at each other's throats. You want to do something human. And she just thought, hey, it's his birthday. I'm going to give him this thing. I'm fine. Was it a, a gameplay? We don't know. But did everyone else think it that way? Of course. That's why I would not have done it. Because it would have been fine as is. You know, because it doesn't make Nick any more loyal to her. Not in the all-winter season. You don't buy loyalty with that kind of stuff. You're just missing out on food. Yeah, so she did, and it was, and now you put a target on your back because you didn't think about what, how everyone else is going to view this. I don't think she thought far enough into it, or she just didn't care.
0: Yeah, it was, it was very interesting because you know, Sarah. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big Sarah fan, and it was just because I love that moment where straight away you've got Tony going straight up to her, like, like what are you doing? Like straight away, people are looking at you now, and even you had that confessional from Nick. Where Nick's like, well, you know, thanks, Sarah, but I feel like I don't owe you anything now. Like, why did you do that? Um, and it's, yeah, and, and particularly on an all-winner season. But as you said, the edit, you know, who knows kind of what was the whole decision-making process behind that.
1: Yeah, it could have been, somebody could have pushed her to do that. You know, somebody could have said like, hey, Sarah, or, you, you don't know what it could have been. What, what seed was planted in her head to make her do that? And it could have all made sense, but we just never saw that part. It was on the editing room floor at that point. For sure.
0: Uh, I want to talk about Adam. I mean, Adam sort of went out, you know, he, he'd he been sort of, I don't want to say struggling, but he'd he kind yeah. of had a few things happen throughout this game and his name was being thrown out a fair bit early and it's sort of come back now. And Adam sort of on the way out, you know, oh, a few too many mistakes and obviously a huge Survivor fan, Adam. So kind of, you know, he, he enjoyed that aspect of coming back again. But, uh, what was your take on Adam this this time around? Cause he, he got a very buffoonish edit too. It was kind of a very interesting edit around Adam.
1: I, I like Adam's character. I think he is hilarious. You know, he's very animated. Uh, he understands his position. You know, he understands, uh, you know, obviously as a big fan, super fan, um, he gets it. Uh, when you're out there playing, of course, you know it's, the game moves really fast, and it can get emotional for some people. It's a lot of paranoia that goes on. Uh, I wouldn't say he was looked at as a buffoon. I just think he just had very um, dynamic responses to things. Like it was like, whoa! Hmm. But usually his confessionals is where all that would happen. So the rest of them weren't seeing that. But I think people just looked at Adam, they wanted to get rid of him because a lot of people think he's a weasel and that he goes back and forth telling people this and that. But they're all weasels. That's all it is. You know, they're all doing the same thing. You know, some do it better than others. Uh, I think Adam's just more honest at times. You know, he's still very strategic, still a great player, great guy. I think he has a good heart. You know, great, great guy. You know, and you never know what they're gonna do with the editing. They can make a good guy like Wendell look like a villain. Yeah, when he's not even remotely close to being a villain. Exactly.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy because I mean, a lot of that talk had sort of been around. Yeah, Wendell's villain edit. You know, certain parts making you know Adam look this way, and and I guess that's the thing with a season like this that. I guess you would also have to think about as as a winner. I mean, you come into to any season on a returning player season, be it a winner season or anything, you have some form of legacy that you have left in the Survivor history books. And I guess there is that weighing up point because you know we're going to look back at winners at war, and some people might look at Danny and go, "Well, you know, she did this, she did that." It's it's difficult. You can't really compare people season to season because they're different games. You yeah. win one, and then you're gonna you're gonna have a first boot. It's unfair to say Tina was the first voted out of All-Stars, so that means she sucks and didn't deserve to win an Outback. That's not true. But it's 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 kind of it's still interesting because, I mean, I don't know if that goes through your head, Earl. Like, if you think, hey, come back to All-Winners, am I going to ruin my legacy or do I not give a shit? I'm just going to come back and play a different game because it's a
1: different season. Yeah, you just don't give a shit. You just go play for the fun of it, for the love of the game. Uh, as I said at the beginning of this, I don't think it makes any winner better than any other winner, no matter who wins. It's all based on different circumstances handed to you, luck as far as a bird, would tribe, win or lose something by a couple of seconds. There's so many things that factor in on how far someone goes. It could be, you know, you can be the, most, the smartest, most athletic guy in the world, the nicest person in the world, and people want to get rid of you first. Because no one wants to sit next to you. Yeah. A Survivor is an interesting game like that because you can be the greatest player ever, but you'll never win. Because the people that I'll say might be average players don't want to sit next to you. So they get rid of you. And so that's the dynamic of um, Survivor that people don't think about enough is you can't ruin your legacy. Like Anybody can be voted out at any time for any moment. It's a big luck and a big just circumstantial thing that happens on becoming a winner. Yes, you're good, um, but I could have been voted out third on my season for whatever. you like, oh, he's a, he's a big threat. We got to get rid of him. Just like that, and you would have never known how good of a player I was. A lot of players like that. You would have, You would never know how good they are. Yeah,
0: completely agree. One thing I'd like to ask as somebody who you know played in a different era, again, compared to what we've got now, um, the, the whispering and the conversations going on at Tribal. I mean, this this episode, I think in the lead-up to Tribal, you had sort of that great section where we just kind of had a five-minute sequence of <laughs> a thousand names are going out. You had no clue, really, who was going home. And then this kind of continued on to whispering central at Tribal while Ben and Adam got into a bit of a slinging match with each other. Do you like this? Do you not like this? What's your take on it?
1: I don't like the ability to be able to whisper during tribal council. I think it should be a policy where you have to stay seated. You know, the getting up and doing the schoolyard thing. It it takes away. It's it's fun for the audience. I think, like they think, like oh, what are they talking about? Like look at this. All like it's it's all this mystery going on. But it's it's unfair to like a true strategic plan that was laid out and you commit to it and then you get to the tribal council and you follow through where somebody could say something just remotely strange and it just changes everything around. And it might end up being a huge mistake because, oh, they started whispering about this, this, and this. And then it just created even more paranoia. And then the wrong person's voted out or this person's voted out and it shouldn't even have been like the way. Some people like that. I wouldn't want to be a part of that. And it just takes away the order of an actual tribal council. It's not a council anymore. It's like this tribal chaos. I mean, it's like, what do you want? Do you want an orderly council to where it's still mysterious and people are committing to what they're going to do, or do you want to just just go in there and just have it by committees? Let's just go in there and just talk it out out in the open and whisper and change our vote last second and there. Yeah. As as an what do you like? You know, I've experienced tribal councils. What what do you prefer? As a, I
0: you know? I'm I'm with you 100. percent I've always hated this talking at tribal council, and I've I've long spoken against it because I agree it, it takes away from it, and it's just you have such a, a build up to tribal where as an audience we're kind of already on the edge of our seat after what we saw this week because you you legitimately yes. are confused. You've you've generally usually yeah. got two people that you're thinking are going. This week it was beautifully edited. It was so dramatic. Like, oh, I really don't know. There's four names that could be going tonight, and then yeah. you just add this, and then kind of Adam going kind of turns obvious because you sort of have that moment where you know Ben basically just shuts it down, and then all of a sudden it's like Adam saying, "Oh, is anybody else voting for me?" And nobody says anything to Adam, so it's kind of like, okay, yeah, well, Adam's yeah. going home, and isn't that,
1: he? And exactly, and that's my point. It's it start when you start having too much content right there. You start to figure it out, like, oh, it is going to be Adam because I didn't know who it was going to be. Yeah. So all of that part started. It's like, okay, it looks like it is going to be Adam, and you know, just the fact that he has the ability to go from one end of the Tribal Council over to the other and sit next to somebody and start talking to them, and I was like, do we really want it like that? I mean, I would. It would be interesting to see a poll of fans on do they like this new element of being able to get up from your seat in tribal council and go whisper to other players. Mm. Yeah. I think we already do that on, we already did that before we got to tribal council, we were already doing all the whispering and everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's overwhelmingly negative. It's, you know, it's kind of, um, there was a big whisper before this season that edge of extinction was about to become a permanent aspect of survivor and just fan community just revolted against that. And, you know, there's, there's a whole variety of opinions about why this is happening. But, I mean, you stare at Jeff Propes and they cut to his face when this is happening and he's having a mangasm right there of how great he's thinking it is, whereas every fan's screaming at their TV going, no, this is rubbish, stop it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Edge of Extinction, but I think it was necessary for an all winter season. Because mm. there's no way a lot of these winners would commit to doing this if they just get voted out and they're gone, just like that. They, they You have to give them a second opportunity to continue, just for legacy's sake, as you mentioned. Like Give them another opportunity. And people want screen time at, at that point. There's it, so many factors you have to play in as a producer. Like, all right, if I'm getting all winners, they, they need certain screen time when they get voted out. I, I would say if it wasn't for Edge of Extinction, some of those players would not have played the game.
0: Yeah, and I think the thing—it's very similar to Blood vs Water when they brought back Redemption Island. Like you, you just—you can't help but groan and go, "Oh, why." But it it kind of can work on these types of seasons. Like, I don't think anyone bemoans Redemption Island twist on Blood vs. Water because, you know, you get to see someone like Tina just, you know, be a badass and come back and nearly win the game and, you know, things like that, it works. Whereas on an all-new player season, it it is different because, yeah, we don't have that connection to those people that we do have to Tyson coming back in the game or Rob nearly coming back into the game.
1: Exactly. imagine somebody like, you know, um, rob or Sandra being voted off first yeah it's like the producers will feel like oh man we're missing out on so, so much good content or you know quotes we' got from them you know so that's why you, you had this edge of extinction as this backup plan where we can still get some good content from them uh, even though i agree with Sandra on le- on leaving i don't think she's a quitter which is stupid to people that say oh she's a quitter like you don't understand what it's like then she under she Self-realize, like, okay, I'm here on Edge of Extinction with six other players. Um, It's going to basically be a challenge to get back in the game. I'm not big on challenges. I'm more of a strategic player. I know my strengths and weaknesses. So, you know what? You guys can sit here and starve and not have anything. I'm going to go eat. I'm going to raise this flag. I'm going to go on vacation. I'm going to have a good time, and I'll see you guys on TV. Or, and that's that. Because the problem is, that they always say, if you're going to get voted out of Survivor, get voted out before the jury. Because if you're on the jury, you have to keep going to Tribal Council. That means you have to stay near where everything is happening so your facilities aren't that great. Where if you get voted out before the jury, they take you away on vacation. Yeah. Where in Fiji's Fe- case, where they are, they take you to Australia. Yeah. And you get a five-star vacation. Now, Sandra knowing this, why would she not choose to like, hey guys, good luck. I'm, I'm about to go on vacation. I just did Island of the Idols right before this and where I had to stay on an island where I'm going to go have fun on vacation. I know I'm not going to be able to get back in the game. And she probably knew like, no one's going to let me win a third time. But it, I, it was fun being out here.
0: Completely agree. To- Completely agree. And people. I don't see why people were shocked at her doing that. I think if you were to look at this list and go, if someone gets voted out, who's going to raise that flag and leave? I straight away would make Sandra. Sandra, like what yeah. has she got to prove? She's won twice. She's yeah. not exactly as we're saying, not going to get back into the game. Bless Sandra, but she's terrible at challenges. So it was always going to be the case of Sandra would be the first one to do it, and she did. She's going to be the
1: only one that does it because yeah. none of the, all the other players – they have more to prove than, than Sandra does and, and they want to get back in the game they want to I'm sure Boston Rob wants and I'm sure the producers probably want to help him get back <laughs> in the game to be on there why he has this big fan network I have no idea why but okay <laughs> anybody that says he's the greatest player is that's just absolutely rubbish <laughs> like I'd love to see him match up against me if that's the case if you think he's oh, that good yes I want to say that come on <laughs> I don't want to say because that means he has to come back again. Yeah, true. Six
0: times. Come on now. Jeez. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, God bless him. I think he's a great guy, but I've seen enough of him, and I get tired of all the hype around him that I feel like I don't think he deserves that much hype about him because it took him four times a win, where there's the rest of us who won our first try, or those people might have won their second try, but you were the fourth time you are on there. Yep, yep. So you can't get the same, you know, hierarchy, I think. You know, does he have great content? Sure. Yeah. You know, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, no. no I, 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 I still like everyone, though. Yeah. Yeah, that is, I still like all the winners.
0: Yes, exactly. Earl is a nice guy. He, even when he's dissing someone, he still likes you. That's, that's why we love <laughs> Earl. All right? I do.
1: Still. I, I personally don't even know him or a lot of the other players. But I just going off as a fan of the show at this point. You know, obviously I'm a fan now. To where it's like, okay, and I get to read what everybody says and what everybody thinks, and you know, and I get it. You know, you put someone on screen enough times, they almost they they reach kind of celebrity status, and you just want to see that person succeed because you're invested in them. You've seen them so many times, you're invested in them. So you want them. There's people that want Rob, that want Rob to win. There's people that want Sandra to win a third time. I mean, there's lots of people like that. Yeah. Because they're so invested in that character. You want your character uh, that you identify with to win again.
0: The, the one thing that I, I like to bring up, we've had um, already uh, doing recaps with this. We had uh, Chris Underwood and Bob Crowley, sort of two fellow one-time players, one-time winners. And I, I just like to also point this out, Earl, that you know going on that whole legacy notion before, I know we discussed that, but at the end of this season, you will still be one of only 11 100% players to have won once played once if we get a two-time player this season winning you know on their second go and they're still 100 percent, they will join you but just pointing it out there there's something you can hold up there are 11 of you who have only played once and won once they can't touch that
1: yeah they can't touch it i won unanimously too
0: exactly exactly you would be the only one i think of all those one-time winners off the top of my head that won unanimously because jt's come back and played again cochran's played twice so yeah like you're it
1: yeah, pretty much played a perfect game for that one stray vote. Rita, to, to, to this day, she still apologizes <laughs> because, you know, I know her, and we're friends, and it was not to vote me out. It's just she didn't understand how Survivor worked. <laughs> if you all saw the stuff that wasn't on camera that happened after that on how upset people were at her for writing my name down, because I was doing everything at camp, like, like who would write my name now? That's why I was shocked when I heard it. Like what? <laughs> so I was kind of shocked, but you know, yeah, and she regressed it because that that messed up. I still say it was a perfect game. So I, I agree. I know. I I, I I would I agree. I would that. stick to that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now, um, before we get to some listener questions, just quickly with the players who are in the game, we've obviously discussed a few of them, but give me give me your uh your. your Thoughts now on, on, on potential winners. Like, is there a group? Who do you think in the box seat? And maybe some dark horses. Like, give me a few names out there of who you think is, uh, is going to win this game.
1: Well, my dark horse is Michelle. Um, I, I just, based on the editing and the way she's playing the game, I, I think she can go pretty far. Um, Sophie, again, I, I like her. Um, I like. Uh, I like Jeremy. But man, he's in a tough position. Whenever you win an immunity challenge, immediately a target. Same with Kim. So anybody I see win immunity, you're in trouble, buddy. So uh, that, that's, that's always been my viewpoint as, as someone who didn't have to win immunity, uh, uh, individual immunity, and that helped me. And I understood that at the beginning when I heard the talk You know, because that was my first time playing Survivor. I didn't know a whole lot about it, but I learned very quickly. And I saw, like, oh, wow, if you do really well athletically, they want to get rid of you the closer you get to the money. So it's best to maybe try to come in second or third. You know, something like you got to really think about that. You got to really sacrifice your ego. and Or you're just fighting for your life like an Aussie. You know, you have to win every challenge Because as soon as you lose one, you're gone. Yeah. Who wants to be in that position? Not me. So I would never want to be in that position. And that's what we put in our season. Boo was in that position. So he was like my shield from everyone else. Like, all right, let Boo win these challenges. Let him be the the physical threat. I'm just going to stay here in the back. So you had the meat shield strategy years before
0: Jeremy... Decided to say that it was his strategy. It was, this is a thing, you know, 17
1: seasons earlier. I, I won't even say it was, It was. Um, I was the first. I think he might have been the first to give it a name, but I think that's just survivor. People have been putting physical threats in front of them. I mean, women have been doing it for since the beginning.
0: Tina and Colby, season two, yeah,
1: you could argue. All of look at that. So it, it, you know, that. Jeremy wasn't the first. I wasn't the first. There was definitely people far before me that have implemented that strategy because you have to do that. Yeah. You know, yeah. You have to have the bigger targets in front of you to, for you to survive. So uh my other darker sea, I say Michelle, Sophie. Uh I would like Jeremy, but I don't think it's gonna make happen. I like him, but it's not gonna happen. Um I figured based on editing that Tyson would get back in the game. I also think that Natalie would get back in the game based on editing because it seemed just too convenient. When she was voted out first, and uh, I remember she did this post and said, let the comeback begin. I was like, oh, she's getting back in the game. Yeah. I I, I ran into that and I said, I think she might get back in the game. Uh, But I like her her gameplay too. But I don't think for me, anybody that's been on the Edge of the Extinction for a long time and then get back in the game, they're never going to win. I wouldn't give that person my vote because they haven't been playing Survivor long enough. You know, the person that's, that never went to the Edge of Extinction and goes to the end, I'm, I'm giving my vote to that person because you had to maneuver and navigate a lot longer than someone that was on the Edge of the Extinction and just out there just doing regular stuff and then they get back in the game. Like, no.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think I think that um, yeah, it's compl- we saw it with Chris. Of course, people are bringing that, but again, all new players. I mean, we had returning players in that season, but um, I think that yeah, with, when you've got all winners, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Un- unless the final, it's a final two, and it's Tyson and Natalie, and you've got no choice. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, think it's yeah. going to happen.
1: Yeah, uh, other dark horse. I'm, uh, I like Tony. I think Tony's in a good position. Uh, I always lean towards the a little older players that are still athletic, I guess somebody like myself, <laughs> because I think you have, you exercise patience and you can control your emotions a bit better. And cause you've been around on this earth a bit longer. You've been around people a lot longer. And, um, you know, I, I would lean towards, uh, Tony doing really well. Uh, I did have Yule, <laughs> <laughs> but I know it'd be tough for him. Uh, as well, you know, I always feel like, you know, if him, if me and Yule were there at the same time, you know, I, maybe we could have helped each other. You know, who who knows? Uh, I would have been willing to work with anybody, actually. Uh, any other dark horses I have? Um, Sarah was one until this last yes. <laughs> uh, move. Uh, I thought she was in a good position, actually, and I think she just blew it with that one. And that's another reason why I think uh, the Tony edit, uh, I think he might get to the end because him being the one to tell her, what are you doing? That means he got a grasp on the game Mm -hmm. uh, on what it takes in this situation. uh, Completely agree. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I think he, he's definitely someone who he's getting a strong edit. He's he's kind of there and thereabouts with everything. And he's just, he's adapted himself so much. Like game changers, he came out and he was just, he knew he was gone in the first couple of votes. He was just being a entertainment machine. He was just, he knew he had no chance. Whereas this time around, he's just, he's adapted. And even early on when he kept sort of, you know, we had all those confessionals about him saying like, hey, this is what I did last time. I'm going to tone it down, and it's really hard for me, but I need to do this. And here he is, and he's in this deep. And Tony, I think he's one of these players that not many people thought would go far because of how he won his season. But look at him. He's, he's adapted. Well, well,
1: see, again, this is what my point about being able to test certain strategies. He was able to test his um, first game by play playing a second time, and so he was able to adjust again. Same with Tyson the more times you get to play, the smarter you'll get on what's going to work for you. And that's why I think, that's why I put more um, emphasis on Sandra's win, because she won, the first two times she played, she won, correct? Yeah, she did. Yeah. So, that's the big deal. So, you didn't have anything else to measure your strategy against, besides your one time you play, you play again, then you win. You know, you win again. So, that that's a big deal. Like, even if Harvey, uh, would have won that season. Parvity that was her third time playing. Yeah, Heroes Play- villains, it was her third time. Correct. Yeah, and see, it's funny. If I would have played those seasons that I was invited to, like you know, I was supposed to be on fans versus favorites. Uh, who knows how I would have changed that? Because I was fresh out of the game still, and so I was still in game mode. Who who knows how I, I would have done? You could have that. been a five time, but you could have been a Boston. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think they would allow that. I think two is the max. That the world will allow you to win, because you know when I was supposed to be on Game Changers and I dropped out of that last minute because it just I just had so much going on with work and family and all that stuff and I went through the whole process again with Game Changers and you know I I was glad that I was invited and I was considered a game changer, you know I guess it's being the first unanimous winner. I don't even know what made me a game changer, but hey, I was glad I had that title, but. People don't know that I was invited for that season as well, and my wife and I was were going to do Blood versus Water, um, but she just could not do that. And then uh, it was going to be me and my brother, but the only reason why they wouldn't let me and my brother do it was because Aris and his brother were already going to be on. That. Oh,
0: so Aris, had- you're always ruining things. Come <laughs> on.
1: So just a little little tidbit there, that's why... So that
0: just makes me sad, Earl. That just
1: yeah, makes that's me why sad I, that
0: we're this close to seeing West you West again. So
1: <laughs> that is the reason why I didn't do Bloodless one, just because of those brothers, it could be me and my. You brothers.
0: are you are officially the new Terry Dietz uh, of Survivor, the one who's so close so many times and then just <laughs> never comes back.
1: <laughs> no, well, well, mine is always a choice. You know, it's just... it's un- When they change the format of shooting to doing back-to-back seasons like around um, early summer, that changed everything. Because when I did my season, we left in October. If they were still shooting in October, I could still do Survivor. But because I run a nonprofit and I do camps during the summer in different parts of the world, you know, I have to host all of these camps. I have to be there. I can't just cancel the camp you know, where all these kids are looking forward to this thing to go shoot Survivor for something selfish, you know, where all these kids and parents are relying on me. And this is like a camp for kids with a medical condition, so they never get to see other kids like them. So that is the main reason why I never get to go back is because of the timing of when they're shooting
0: you would have been at home in some aspects because I I realize it's a different part of Fiji that they film in now to where you film, but I mean, it's just basically permanent base camp. So, you know, I I realize a few of these other winners have have also filmed there, but you're, you're the OG for Fiji Earl as well. That worked for you.
1: I I always say until someone beats me, I am still the King of Fiji. Exactly. Yes. I'd agree with that. Come on now. I am the original that that is my home turf. (laughs) I have been back there since my win and, I I know people there. I I am Fijian at this point. (laughs)
0: Exactly. There you go. That's another, you know, 18th time lucky when they call you back and get you on for Winner's War 2 or something like that. Um, I'm going to do it. Really we good. we're going to hold you cuz like again we this is you're now one of only what 18 of these non-winners or the winners who aren't on this season but as i said there are 11 of you who have only played once and won once and never even come back for a second chance on any of these seasons so this is the goal now that you 11 have to somehow come and play again that's what has to happen
1: there you go yeah maybe they'll do a, a one-time player winner versus multi <laughs> Time players, when I, I don't know, I'm gonna make an effort, you know. You know, God willing, nothing crazy happens in my life, or it's just so busy. Like, I think I'm done having kids. I, I hope I'm not going with that. That uh, another kid doesn't get in the way of me <laughs> on Survivor. So, uh, if I get that call again, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm probably gonna take it. We're yes, really well, we, we look forward and to I'll, seeing that. I'll have more knowledge of Survivor. First time, I didn't know anything about Survivor. But now I've seen all the seasons. I know all the different characters. I know the different rules. So I might, I should be an even more dangerous player than before. I'd agree with that. There
0: we go. CBS, Channel 10, Australia vs. USA, CBS. You know, yeah. just do that, we're going to get this happening. Come on now. We want to see this happening.
1: That's right. And I'll be in Australia um, in September. Oh, there you go.
0: You you yeah. come you come that way a because You're mentioning obviously with your, your non-profit, and please tell tell our listeners about this because um, I know you've sort of got a bit of a fundraiser going at the moment as part of uh, sort of your birthday during the week. But what what exactly is is this non-profit that you do? Tell tell us about what exactly it is that you're involved with. Uh,
1: the name of the profit is. Um the nonprofit is the Perthes Kids Foundation Perthes disease is short for a disease called leg, Calve Perthes disease, which is a rare uh, bone disease that I actually had when I was a child and the effects of this disease are very debilitating. You know, I was in a wheelchair, crutches, all of that stuff between the ages of like 6 and 13. I went through all of that before I was able to make it out and yeah, start playing sports and all that stuff. But the effects of that disease still um, hit you a little bit when you're an adult. So when I was playing Survivor, I was in pain in a lot of those challenges, even though people you know, didn't know that. But I was playing against pain as well as playing against the players, but I would never reveal that to anyone. I never told anybody any of those things because you don't want to give them a reason to get rid of you. So I didn't reveal all of this until after I won. Then I did a big feature Uh, With People Magazine, and that's when it all came out. Like, you know, basically one survivor on one leg. You know, Uh, it it was a very challenging. So I, I used, you know, the money to actually start this nonprofit, and uh, it has grown to be the largest nonprofit in the world for this particular disease. So we're in six different countries, Australia being one of them. We're an official registered charity in Australia, uh, with an office in Sydney, and so I go to Australia every year. So I'm very familiar with. Australia culture and the landscape and all of those things. So um, you know, big big fan of um, Australia and New Zealand and uh, aren't, wait, aren't you from Tanzania? Oh
0: close. From? Tasmania. Uh, Very close. Tasmania, yeah. yeah uh, no,
1: you, you were nearly there. <laughs> I there. I, 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 I was visually looking at a map and I was kind of like <laughs> I can see it. I see the team I I think
0: yeah, yes. I've had Transylvania yeah. before, and I decide, do I look like a vampire? That like would be a... so
1: much cooler. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, so much cooler. But no, where you're from is cool too. But I, I, you know, I've been doing this nonprofit for a while, and it's the and it is definitely one of the main reasons why I haven't been able to go back is because these parents and children rely on me so much for this camp that I do. Uh, I, you know, it starts in July. I have one. I have one in July. One in August. One in September and October, so those are four months where I'm just busy for, you know, fourteen days out of that month, uh, running the, this camp for kids, and so that is, and because Survivor shoots in, I think it was doing June and July. I think they might have moved it up now to May, but I'm still in, in the middle of planning and all of that stuff in May. So it's just it's just very challenging. Okay until they start shooting in October again, which I hope they do.
0: Come on, CBS. Uh, Come on.
1: But, yeah, but you can (laughs) – I know. You can always learn more about my nonprofit, uh, PerthesKids.org, P-E-R-T-H-E-S-Kids.org. Learn about all kind of information about these kids and about the disease itself. And what they're going through and why I do what I do. And uh, something I'm very passionate about. You know, I have fun doing it. Love putting the smiles on the kids' faces. Um, and it, it's just been great. It's uh, been a fun thing. And if I was to play again, I would dedicate my whole season to this nonprofit. And I would give all of the money, if I won to the nonprofit.
0: So right. All of you know that. There you go. Well, uh, well, we'll whack that link up on our on our website and our social media pages so people can uh, check that out. And, uh, yeah, obviously a great cause and um, sounds sounds like a, a very interesting sort of role. And good that you get to see Australia because I remember you telling me in our last interview that uh, you kind of did a bit of a promo tour, didn't you, of Australia after your winners. Well, you might have been the last oh, winner yeah. to do a promo tour of Australia. I can't think of anyone yeah. else who would have afterwards.
1: You know what? I think I am one of the only winners to ever do a world tour. Well, wow. Yeah, because with CBS, I went to South Africa and did a press conference there. Uh, I did the thing in Australia where I had the press conference there. Um, Did I do one in England? Um, I know the main ones was South Africa, Australia was CBS and Field. I did stuff in New York, and and all of that. Um, but yeah, I don't think any other winners have done that much.
0: I know. Uh, I mean, Richard obviously did a bit. Richard was, you know, being touted. Oh, yeah. being a, yeah. And then Jenna and Ethan did a bit of a tour of Australia. I remember at one point. Kind of, they were on a few talk shows and that, um, and I don't know how long that was after each of them had won because obviously you know they were a few years apart. But um, yeah, I I I don't know of any others. Like we'll get sort of Survivor players coming out for, say, like a, a Comic Con style thing or like some Survivor fan oh, events, yeah. but um, not no, like on the extent that you were on the dime of CBS, yeah, was, basically. <laughs>
1: yeah, truly press conference, you know, and, and also in Fiji. I forgot about that. I went back to Fiji and did a press conference after the win. And so I don't think most people go back to the country where they won and did a press conference. Maybe that'd be a bit of trivia, what winners have done that.
0: Yeah, true. King of Fiji, there you are. They want you back there like you won, so you are the king.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but it, it, it's been fun. You know, I'm very thankful of my time on Survivor and working with CBS, and, you know, it's definitely life-changing. Uh gave me the freedom to, you know, follow my passions and do the things I want to do, and I've experimented with different things, had different ventures, you know, start of the family, all that good stuff, you know, it's been it's been great, you know, you know, I owe CBS and my time on Survivor for that, and I really, really appreciate all the fans, and the continued fans, and love and appreciation for my time, it's like you say, you know, I think legacy, is, it just is what it is, it's not going to go away, you know, even if I'd never played again, you know, I had my time, I, you can't take that win away. You can't take a unanimous win away, and you know, even if they go to season sixty, you know, <laughs> to still talk about fourteen. You exactly, still the, the first unanimous winner.
0: And I, I for one am one of, and I think a, a lot more people now are in this group, Earl. I am an advocate for Fiji as a great season of Survivor, and it needs more love. I think it's one of uh, these seasons that people have always been negative on, and I don't see why, because I think your season is a great season. I am going to
1: tell you why. You know why? It's because Jeff Probst went out and said it wasn't one of his favorite seasons. Reason being he was going through personal drama at that Mm -hmm. time. Yep, And we already know with who. But it was personal drama going on. It was the first time in Fiji. Uh, They had a military coup while we were shooting there which was a big deal. Uh, It was just so much going on. And I think the have versus have nots was a last minute theme they came up with because a player dropped out last second and they just had to scramble and it just made for a challenging season. You know, it might not have been beautiful in the eyes to a lot of fans, but it was still survivor and it was still hard. It was still survivor for us. We were still starving. You know, we didn't, weren't given all these gifts that are given now. I didn't even know you're supposed to have a feast when you do the merge. Yeah. When we Merge. there was no food for us because some of the players that knew survivor very well they thought that we were supposed to have some, this feast and we got back to camp and it was nothing wow
0: uh, see this is one thing like with the haves have nots when I mean, we're getting sidetracked here i'll get to these listener questions but i have never been that down on the hat like it's it's something that i feel they would have done eventually like it's just a twist you know it's just yeah, it's, I- it's such an obvious twist that you can do we did it once cool didn't work let's move on i don't think it was that bad
1: I don't think it was bad at all. I, I think it was fine. I understood the concept and what they were getting at. Now, everybody is just the halves. Like mm. Survivor, now you get all these things. You start off with rice and beans. You have all the extra stuff for a shelter. Like, it's funny when I look at the, all winners, so I like, say, do you guys just think that bamboo is just laying around or growing <laughs> in the there where they can build these things? Of course, like, come on. <laughs> Get out of here. Like, I know it was native to the land of Fiji, and that bamboo like that is not apparent all over the place like that. So, yeah. So, it, it's definitely a little more cush now for a survivor uh, to where the old school stuff was really hard and gutted out and starving, and it was so tough. I mean, so challenging. and And we didn't have idols to save us. You know, I was one of the first to ever even play an idol, and uh, it was so hard to even get the the clues. They were buried underground. Now they're just sitting on the road or in, in a tree, like, just easy. Now we us, I had to go to Exile Island three times to get three clues to search all day to find something buried underground, <laughs> so... Yep. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> no, it's... uh. The bygone era of Survivor, oh, I feel weird saying that, but, um, you know, yeah, we, we, we've, we've all been there from the beginning, we we know what it used to be and where we are now. Uh, before we get to the listener questions, one thing that we do now on the show is um, we rate the episode, so we have a three-tiered uh, system of what we think of the episode. If you love the episode this week, you thought it was great, you buy it, if you thought, eh, it was okay, it was in the middle, you will rent it. If you hated it, you never want to watch it again. You would bin it. You would trash it, basically. So, Earl, are we buying, renting, or binning this week's episode of Survivor?
1: Interesting. This week, only the Tribal Council made it more interesting, but it was really a, a rent type of thing. But someone would buy it just for the Tribal Council.
0: Yep. So, for so sure. you're, so you're, are you in the rent or the buy camp there?
1: You know, I would rent it. I would rent it.
0: Yeah, no, I'd agree with you. I think I, I'm with you there. That the you know the tribal some love that, but I I'm not a lover of that. If that tribal hadn't have been that way, and we had have kept sort of the it up in the air with that scene that we had before tribal, I'd be buying it. But yeah, that tribal just kind of threw it a little bit weird. But yeah. yeah. It was, you know, that's what we get in Modern Survivor. But, hey, we're, we're slowly getting used to it, I guess. Now, you mentioned all the fans, uh, and we got plenty here to listener questions. Now, as always, thanks to everyone who sent these in. We do cover a lot of these listener questions in the bulk of the chat. So uh, if we don't get to your question, I think we've covered most of it uh, through that. A lot of these, obviously, about why you weren't on the season. A lot of these about who you would have worked with and all those kind of things like there. I like this question from Eric Corbridge, though. Um says who out of over all the years of survivor of all the winners who would be the three players that you would would be most worried about playing against and the three that you would most likely align with
1: you can align with the same people you're playing against or be worried about I'm a big component of keeping your enemies closer you know friends close enemies closer so I'm big on that. Uh, I would say it's, it's hard to name. You know, you know, as I've said in many interviews, I hold every winner and player to the same degree. You know, everybody has one vote. Everybody's a threat in every way. <laughs> so it's hard to say like this person's a bigger threat than another person. Like sure, some people you feel might have. Control at a certain point of the game, or you, or perceived control, and they seem like they're a threat. And they're gone. Um, if you want me to just throw out random names, go for it. I, um, it's hard to reveal who I would align with because you never know when I'll be back on. So, probably won't answer that one. <laughs> but who would be big threats? I mean, of course, Sandra's a big threat. Um, you know, her having so much experience. On the game, I would say um, Tony would be a threat. You know, he's played a couple times. Tyson is a is a threat. Um, mm-hmm. I would also say, um, let me think. Who else? Denise. I'll yep. consider Nat- Natalie. You know, people that I feel have a. And I'm not downplaying anybody's gameplay and. Uh, all the winners are great in every kind of way. I'm just saying people that are perceived threats. You know, the most dangerous people are the ones that aren't even perceived as <laughs> threats. Very true. Uh, but these are perceived threats. You know, our Jeremy is a threat, you know, perceived that way. But then you have those people under the radar that are, you know, the Michelles. And, you know, even Adam can be. If if Adam would just tone it down sometimes, Adam understands the game uh, very much, you know, and in the, in the dynamics of the game. Um, he can be a threat yeah. obviously you can say I can name a whole lot of people that are a threat because I consider everyone a threat that's not me great answer so.
0: great answer that's that's the answer <laughs> so. we want yeah no I like it 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 works very well Um, yeah. thanks for that question Eric uh, Anna says which one man and woman were you most disappointed that wasn't on this season
1: I was disappointed that Vesepia was not on this season yep uh, I thought that you know, she's played once, but she's always wanted to come back and play again. I said, she was the... F- I mean, she was the, wasn't she the first woman to... No, well, Tina was the first woman to win Survivor, right?
0: Yeah, Tina was
1: first, yep. Okay. Uh, yeah, Viseppia was the first African-American woman to win, but Vesepia played a great under-the-radar... I think she was the first to play an under-the-radar game. Completely think, agree. Yeah. Yep. So it would have been nice to see her on how she would adapt to Survivor now, And we haven't seen her in so long. I think it it would have been nice to see her play again. I I, I definitely think she deserved to be out there. Uh, So I would have liked to have seen her play again. Um, Male, I would say, um, are we talking winners? Yeah, winners. Winners. Okay, a winner to play again that hasn't played again or just for this season? Uh,
0: Just for this season. I mean, you can go with one of the 11 that hasn't played again or if if there's someone that has played a couple of times that you would have liked to see return again. Oh,
1: then I would have said Richard Hatch. You know, it would have been great to see. You know, just for narrative sake, it would have been great to hear his confessionals to compare the very first survivor to season 40 for him to be there and see what's happening in season 40 to see how the games evolve to have somebody authentic like him where they didn't know what survivor was going to be that first season and for him to you know i won't even say he can anybody could have came up with just the, the the concept of alliances and you know all the stuff he he went through and what they were all thinking to have somebody connect those dots season one to season 40 that would have been magical that would have been great to have him
0: yep 100 uh absolutely i've always said that i think that you if you have an all-winner season there's there's four locks that you should be having a hundred percent uh based on you know their legacy and their history and their legend status if you want to say it you know that that's rob that's sandra that's poverty and that's richard hatch and he's not on this season out of those ones. And it's, it's a shame. And I think any fan out there, uh, the one name that always comes up is Richard Hatch. He should have been on this season.
1: Yeah. And it's funny the people that you named are people that have played multiple times. So when you play multiple times, you have more content out there and, more you know, you've done more moves, you've done more things to where it adds to your legacy. A certain way to where you feel like, Oh, they should get to come back. When somebody's played once, you've only seen them do that one time where you don't hold them as high regard, which is the reason, I think, why people like Boston Rob so much. He has so much content and history that you just want to, you know, it gives you more reasons like, oh, he should be on this again, as opposed to somebody like Ethan, who you've only seen, well, I guess you've seen him play twice. Let's see, uh, who... Tom Weston. What's his name, Tom?
0: Tom Weston, yeah. Uh, he came back on Heroes Villains, but he went very early, similar to Ethan. You kind of yeah. can't really remember their second time. I'm, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a mad Brian Heideck fan, so that, that yeah. would have been yeah. mine. Yeah, somebody like that. Yeah. Like
1: you, have it, you don't, They don't have a, a bigger body of work yeah. to go with. And so just hearing you now, you listen to certain people that have played like three times at least. It's like you're just like all the other fans with that. Like, but I get it. I understand it. But if you would have threw out Brian, I was like, oh, okay, so he's looking at every little aspect, not just the the, the I, big.
0: Work. Yeah, and look, I, I I'm like I I did an article several months ago when this had sort of been released, and I I put a sort of sections of to the players who. I think were robbed of not coming back. Like the ones who I really would like to see. And Brian, obviously on that list, I had Vesepia on that list. I had you on that list, but um, I, I even had, uh, you know, someone like a Natalie white who no one would ever throw yes. out there, but like green, to me, yes. I would just love to see her. Cause her win is so overshadowed by Russell that, Oh, Russell lost. Natalie shouldn't have won. And I, I call that bullshit. I want to see Natalie come back. Cause Natalie would have so much to be like, Hey, this wasn't a fluke look at me, and no one would suspect anything with Natalie. I think Natalie would have done so great. She would have been like a Michelle and a Sophie and exactly. would have been playing like that. And that's someone who I would rather see than Boston Rob playing for a fifth time.
1: I, I agree. Natalie is a definitely a good choice. And I've met her. She's smart. Everything. She deserved that win. Uh, yes, Russell was a different kind of player and all that, but he didn't have a complete game. You know, great player, but... You know, there's a social aspect to this, you know, there. And it's even worse now. I won't say worse, it's just even more challenging because it, it used to be like, hey, okay, you vote people out to a point to where they still respect you enough to give you the vote. You're doing that almost every episode now to where, all right, you get voted out, but they got to like you enough to want to give you their token. You know, it's like that element of gameplay is every episode now. That's why I would love that. Like, I love that these winners have to earn it. Like, you're not just going to play a social game because it became a social game after a while. I think these past 10 seasons, like, all right, who's ever the friendliest, you know, average player can make it to the end. You know, Al's extra layer of gameplay, I think, is uh, fantastic with the, the with the fire token. But I want a chance to be able to play with these fire tokens. You know, I can be a rich man with six <laughs> fire tokens or something. <laughs> Winners at War 2. Come on
0: now. Fire tokens, yeah. keep them around. Um, question here from David. Do you still practice the Mickey dance?
1: The Meke dance. The Meke dance. Sorry,
0: the Meke dance.
1: Uh, I actually use that dance. I- a video of it in a presentation (laughs) that I gave to a bunch of doctors. Uh, I do not remember the dance. It's a good question, but I remember practicing over and over for that dance because I was dancing for food. I knew we had to win that challenge because that was the only chance we were going to have to eat, and that was the first real meal I had on the show was winning that dance. Uh, Great, great dance. Very authentic. I'm glad I, I learned it, and I'm glad that the true Fijians that were the judges appreciated.
0: Again, <laughs> King of Fiji. See, you, you were on your way to the throne there, Earl. See, <laughs> that's how it works. Uh, similar also to your uh, another question from your season. Thomas asks, when was the last time you talked to the lovely Sylvia Kwan?"
1: Oh, Sylvia. Wow, that is a very random question. Mm. I have not spoken to her, oh my gosh, in over 10 years, easily. I think, you know, you see people on Facebook here and there, but I don't even think she's on Facebook that much.
0: Yeah, we had her on back a long time ago. Could I tell you how we tracked her down? I could
1: not. (laughs) So, yeah. yeah. A lot of us, you know, we're not in touch that much because we, we live in different states or different cities and everybody has their own life and all that. Not that we wouldn't be friendly if we saw each other, but, you know, we're so far removed from, you know, our season that, you know, unless you live near me. I like like Anthony lives, you know, like thirty minutes from me was on my season. Like I I talk to him or Yao yeah, Man, whenever I go to San Francisco, I'll try to meet up with him because you know, him and I went far together in the game where Sylvia, I think she was gone second episode. So I didn't get to know her that well. But I think she's really, really nice and very smart architect and um yeah, it would have been interesting to see her on again. I, I think she didn't get to show her true potential. I think she would have been a great character. Very interesting person.
0: So what's so great about your season? There's like so many great characters that I think people have forgotten about. I mean, we've only ever seen Yao come back from your season. And I think we've got so many untapped people that we've never seen return, which is which is a damn shame because, yeah, Fiji has some great underrated characters from it.
1: I agree. Yeah, come on, man, CBS. Come on. Rocky. Yeah, Rocky, Yeah, Rocky. Boo. You know, Lisey. <laughs> Lisey. I mean, these are some true, like, these are some characters. Dreams. I
0: mean, hell, dreams. who can forget dreams?
1: Dreams should definitely be back on one of these uh. I'm sure they're going to pass him, um, but he would be great. And I I saw him for the first time since our season. Oh, man, this had to be about... So Seven years ago wow So yeah we don't get to see each other that much you know we're, we were we all just came together for this you know great show and this time on this island but other than that people go back to their lives and mm. that's kind of it yeah
0: it's it's i uh, we yeah we dreams is one of the ones that we tracked down and had a great chat with dreams and um yeah uh it was is he's just somebody who it's, it's such a shame that we have not seen like put put Yao and Dreams on a season again I mean come on like you know we yeah. want to see that happen again all these years later
1: yeah. I mean you yeah, that, that would be great and you did get a chance to see Yao again so mm. he did come back again you know he didn't go as far as uh before but you got to see him again
0: yeah Gee, come on, CBS, or, or Channel 10, get this Australia versus uh, US thing happen. You've got plenty to choose from. Uh, it, doesn't, it,
1: doesn't, it doesn't mean that they will invite me if there is an Australia versus US. If
0: we've got any sway, which we don't, Earl, uh, we'll try. Uh, <laughs> but we'll we'll put in a word to, uh, you know, Channel 10. We'll see what we can uh, influence uh, with our huge sway. Great. To everybody sending a list of questions, thank you. Earl, mate, it has been such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for chatting with us today best of luck with everything moving forward and, and let's not make it seven years in between drinks we'll uh we'll, we'll do it over a real drink next time I'll be in Australia yeah, next cool. time you'll be there we'll grab a beer and stare at Sydney how does that sound
1: sounds good Ben I definitely appreciate everything thank you to all the fans out there uh, I appreciate it so uh, this is post birthday so I was happy to do this uh, interview with you Ben you know it's been a, it's been a long time but you're always one of the great ones out there so uh thank you again for the time and, and the questions and Hopefully I'll see you all on TV in the next few seasons. Who knows?
0: And a massive thank you to Earl for a great chat. Always so insightful. Just, you're just drawn to listening to what he says and, uh, I'm a I'm a huge fan of Earl's, and uh, so so happy that he was able to give us his time and come on the show this week to chat about it. And uh, we thank you for his time, and thank you for everybody out there who sent in some listener questions. Uh, we had some good ones this week, and again, the majority of them were all covered really in the, the bulk of our chat that we had with Earl. There, uh, we hope to be back next week. Uh, a few other people lined up again. We will confirm who they will be once we get them locked in, and you can get your listener questions into us to chat about that and outside of this we've got our bad movie month continuing Um, and it really is a bad movie month Catwoman was put up yesterday don't listen to it it's a bad movie you don't really need to hear it Um, and next week Gili, which will be another interesting one it's been weird that we've been around now for three or four years and we've been doing bad movie month basically every year we've been in existence as the Oz Network and somehow we've never done Gili until now so it's going to be fun for you to listen to that Uh, But thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Stay tuned for everything we've got on the Oz Network. Also, Total Drama Island, if you're a fan of that, weekly episodes of that still happening. And we hope you're enjoying the content we're putting out. And if you're bored, we've got plenty of other episodes that you can go back into the vault and listen to if you're all in quarantine locked away in a house. Plenty to keep you covered. So go and listen to them. Uh, Thanks again to Earl. Thanks for listening. My name is Ben. We'll speak to you next time on the Oz Network. Good night. Thanks for downloading this episode from the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider.